Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. I am your boy Buzz, and I'm joined by my dude Tony on Tap. And we are here with a special Memorial Day weekend Sunday fun day with a very special guest, Shane Reardon from 670 The Score. Tone, it's going to be a great day, man. We're going to interview Shane. We're going to drink some beers. We are totally breaking social distancing right now, but who cares? I mean, at this point, they're opening up bars on Friday or outdoor patios, so we're together and we're going to have a good time. A little house cleaning before we get into the episode. Be sure to go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcast needs. Following us on Twitter at SoxOnTap at ontapsportsnet. Tone, you excited, man? Just cracked the fresh beer open, Buzz. You are down in the I don't, what did what did Johnny call this? The the crazy Marchese. The cave. crazy Marchese cave. We're actually together recording a Sunday Fun Day episode for the first time. Since all of this COVID stuff happened, we're we're spaced apart a little bit. Um, Say there's a good six inches. Yeah, there. there's there might be a good six inches, but we are good right now. We are going to have Shane on. We're going to talk White Sox baseball. We're going to talk about just a bunch of different other stuff, as we always do on Sunday Fun Day. I'm really excited to talk to Shane. Haven't seen Shane since he was at our tailgate about a year ago when he destroyed everybody in a shotgun contest. So I'm, I'm really excited to uh, learn a little bit about that. He's also been uh, doing some stuff out there on Twitter that I know you want to ask him about. Oh, yeah, I, absolutely. He, he always posts on Twitter when he's going live on Instagram with Shane's Meat. Dude is a, <laughs> dude is a fantastic cook. And uh, I thought I was a decent cook until I watched him on his Instagram lives actually cook, and I just realized I'm only good at grilling dogs and making pasta. Yeah. So I'm pretty much failure when it comes to him uh, towards cooking, but let's strap back, everybody grab a beer, and let's get this interview with Shane Rowland. Sounds good to me. And we are joined by 670's Shane Reardon. He has been uh, awesome enough to come join us today on Socks on Tap Sunday Fun Day. He is uh, down in Indiana right now getting ready to go golf. Shane, thanks for joining us, man. How you been? Gosh, thank you for having me. I am not handling quarantine well, and I'm currently with people, so... I'll just go fuck myself. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm absolutely not helping in flattening the curve. I, I'm 100% admitting that. I'm still wearing the mask in public and everything, but I am absolutely with about 12 people. Yeah, you know, I but actually... But here's the thing, the, in Indiana, they just extended it to 100 people. You can gather with 100 people in Indiana. So you're, you're technically not breaking any rules by Indiana standards, Shane, but uh, if you were in Illinois, I think uh, Lori Lightfoot would probably be after you. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, she would. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. Bring her on. That's fantastic. I actually wore a mask going to the grocery store the other day, man, and I uh, I sprayed it with Lysol before I put it on. Bad call. Don't do that. That's probably on it. the inside. Yeah, I don't know why I did it. You know, I just thought it would be clean. And I mean, we all know me. We're, we we all follow each other on Twitter. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed by any means necessary, but you know, it, just don't do that because you're going to be really, really bad at golf if you do that. You're going to get lightheaded. Yeah, it's not, not going to be good. That was a really bad call. <laughs> yeah, man. It was, that was my bad. So we got some questions, man, to lead you in here today. Um, so I, let's get into the White Sox stuff right away. Before COVID hit, what did you expect from the Sox this year? I mean, I know that you've probably talked about it in the past and stuff, but you haven't been on the show, so we just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on the direction you thought the White Sox were going if the season would have gone underway as planned. Well, the fan in me says that it was a World Series year. I mean, the, the talent is undeniable. Some of it unproven, sure, but the fan in me says, this is the most talented roster, top to bottom, both on the field, on the mound, and in the batter's box that we as White Sox fans have seen. I mean, 05 is great and everything, but in terms of true baseball talent where actual other people around the league actually agree that you have talented baseball players, 
I've never felt that as a White Sox fan, and especially not in my my twenties. Like I was in, I was in seventh grade when they won in '05. I would trade my left nut to have a World Series title in my twenties, where I can actually celebrate and and understand more fully what's going on. So I expected a World Series title. The the non fan of me, if I'm just looking at it objectively, yeah, they're going to compete with with Minnesota probably for the division, right? They're going to score a ton of runs. The pitching is maybe a little bit unproven where, where Dylan Cease wasn't everything you wanted him to be last year, but and Kopech coming off of Tommy John, but Giolito coming off of what could have been a Cy Young year. Bullpen maybe, uh, maybe needs a little bit more bolstering. But, I mean, truthfully, they're a wild card team with the possibility to win the AL Central. The fan of me says World Series, and I still think that's going to happen. Shane, with the new proposed divisions, if they do start this season, and we've we've heard rumblings that they're gonna they're gonna play in their own stadiums, and they're only gonna play teams in the AL Central, NL Central. Uh, what do you think the Sox will be able to do? Where do you see them sitting in in that scenario? Well, weren't the Braves in that new proposed division too? They, Wasn't it like some from the AL Central, NL Central, and NL East? Yeah, I think the Braves were the only team that really snuck in there, yeah. and there's been there's been some back and forth there. Obviously, we don't have any clarity as to what exactly those are going to be, but you would think that there would be a limited travel schedule. Um, yeah, th- throw the Braves in there. Um, Where do you think we sit? That probably third. I mean, third behind maybe the Braves and, and Minnesota. I'm not afraid of the Cubs. Like, I'm not afraid of the Cubs. The pitching staff is old. Um, they really just have a bunch of utility guys out there. Chris Bryant's a bum. Anthony Rizzo's a bum. Um, <laughs> I'm not afraid of the Cubs, but I would be afraid of the Braves. And I, I, I'm still afraid of the, the, the runs that Minnesota's going to score. And they, they bolster their pitching staff, too. So I think probably realistically third or fourth in that expanded division. Um, but you never know. Like, it, everything could click for the 2020, or if we're going to say 2021 White Sox, like it did for like the 15 and 16 Cubs. Everything could just click where the Cubs brought up all their prospects and literally every single one of them was good. The same thing could happen to the White Sox. I'm tired of being this little brother fan, this marginalized White Sox fan where nothing ever good is allowed to happen to our baseball team. Like there's always the caveat in the public opinion. Yeah, but they are the White Sox. But yeah, they've got all this talent, but also you're the White Sox. What does that mean? What does it mean you're the White Sox? I want that to mean, hey, you're not a team that anybody wants to fuck with. I want that to be what you're the White Sox mean. I think it's going to very soon. So around here we call that little saying, Shane, that's so White Sox, and that was brought to us by Johnny. Unfortunately, he is up in Wisconsin Wisconsin, today. Uh, But we we like to say uh, that's so White Sox around here. All those little little things that happen to us that just would not happen to any other franchise out there except maybe the Browns um, or, or, or the Bulls oh, uh, of, on, of, of recent. And I'll, I'll just I'll stab Buzz in the side right here. He's close enough. Uh, that's so White Sox, Shane. And, and I totally agree. I, I want that so White Sox to be, you know, every time we, we – Think of the hit, past. Yeah, we, well, no, that's so White Sox should turn into, you know, every single Duck Snort drops – in left center and nobody yep. can get to it or you know it, the ball rattles around in the corner and you end up with an extra run those things don't happen for the white Sox. it nope. seems like and it's 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 no, the little things it's the little things and i think the the ultimate that's a white Sox thing is that we finally construct a roster that these fans and, and ourselves we're all excited about this and then look what happens you know something that's completely yep. out of control uh for anybody uh, a global pandemic, and, and we're in a delayed season that we, we may or may not see baseball. Shane, um, that just leads me to the next question here. Do you think that they're going to solve this labor dispute? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, and I, 99% of the time I side with the players, and this is a, another one where I can side with the players, but you also can't fault the owners. You can't fault the owners knowing that, 60, well, depending on the market, we'll say 45 to 70% of their total revenue comes from ticket sales and comes from concessions. They make a ton of money off that stuff. There's really no room for them to make money, but you can't fault the players for not wanting to take a pay cut for doing the same thing that they would have been doing if fans were in the stadium. And if anything, there's even more stacked against them because they can't see their families as often and they don't get to travel to the places they get to travel to. They used to get to travel to. So 
I can't fault either. I always lean to side with the the players more than the owners, and I think I'm going to do that here. But I think it will be solved. I don't think the players are going to have to take a cut, and maybe that's just. Like I'm not I'm not really an optimist, but I'm not really a pessimist. I like to consider myself a realist, but also a pessimist a lot. Um, I'm just trying to look at this optimistically and selfishly. Like, God damn it, I hope the labor dispute is, is solved, and it should for, for my interests and for our interests, but you never know. But I think I think it's going to be okay. I think we're going to get baseball by July. Um, just please, for my sanity, I hope. That's awesome. I really hope they do get it figured out because, I mean, this this was something that was brought up on, a, you know, a few socks on taps, and there was actually a crossover episode we had done in the past where I think that this was brought up between Cubs on tap and socks on tap where we talked about, you know, the, the strike looming, and then when it came forward with the global pandemic, we're like, could we get two years without baseball if they don't figure this out, you know, going from mm-hmm. a global pandemic yeah. into a, you know, into a labor dispute, you know, which is just, uh, I don't even want to really think about that. I want to try to stay positive here, but, you know, going in and – I want to go back and touch on, you know, you not liking the little brother thing. And I, I've always hated that as well. Like, I, I hate hearing that when people are, oh, you're a White Sox fan. Isn't it a Cubs city? It's just like, man, like, you know, how, how you are around that stuff every day. You deal with so many fans being at 670. It's the number one sports station in Chicago. You know, I, I listen to Molly and Haw every single morning on my way to work. Um, and they get a lot of calls that are, you know, it's funny. They get, I feel like they get a lot more Cub fan calls than they do White Sox fan calls. But I, yeah. I have to ask, are you, are you a Cub hater? Because I did not become one no. until this year, and the only, re- or well, I guess last season, I think is fair. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of the fan percent, I never really cared about them. I usually only care about people within our division. I'm, I'm like that across all sports, whether it's you know the Bears, yeah. the Bulls, whatever. But are you a Cub hater? No, I, I'm a I'm a Cubs fan hater in a lot of senses. Um, I hate Danny Parkins. Um, Danny Parkins likes to he marginalizes White, the White Sox and White Sox fans more than anyone on the goddamn planet. His favorite thing is to whenever you know the White Sox do something nice, like they signed Yasmani Grandal, the second best catcher in baseball. Oh, that's a nice little signing. Oh, they bring in they, they ink Luis Robert to a unbelievably club-friendly deal for the rest of forever, oh, that's a nice little extension. He does it just to pick at us, but I also believe that the majority of these Cub fans who are doing it is just a bit also believe it, and that pisses me off. It absolutely pisses me off. I don't hate the Cubs because they have a ton of hardworking dudes on that team. I have good relationships with people in that organization. I love the PR staff. I love all those guys over there, but I don't hate the team. I just hate what Cub fans are to us. And I I don't want to worry about it, but we have to, like, the White Sox have to win first. And then we can move on. But as of right now, I hate Cub fans. So, Shane, would you you consider this a rivalry? I know that's a hot topic that people people bring up all the time. Do you consider it a rivalry? No, it's not a rivalry unless you're playing them 15 times a year in your own division. It's fun whether it's four games a year or six games a year, depending on which division they're playing um, in, in, you know, interleague that year, but it's not a rivalry. It's, it's, it, maybe it's a rivalry between fans, like the, the fans can rival and, but like, I don't care what the Cubs do I, I, for business. I want the Cubs to win. I want the Cubs. I'm a huge Cub fan when it comes to business and don't edit that and take out when it comes to business and put, I'm a huge Cub fan all over the place, but I'm a huge Cub fan for business. And outside of that, I really couldn't give two shits what they do. You know we would never do that to you. <laughs> we, would of course. Ne- we would never do that. All right, man, so moving into some more fun stuff now that we're kind of getting into it. Uh, what's your most fun memory at a Sox game, uh, if you have one? I mean, I know you've been to – I mean, we and you have crossed paths at, at a bunch of Sox yeah. games. And we, I th- believe you were at yeah. the uh, Ivan Nova complete game last year. Yep. Uh, yep. Against yep. Miami, yep. and me and you had a couple beers in Lot B. Uh, but other than that, like, what is your most fun – memory of being at a Sox game? Um, I, I went to a game in each series in 05 with my dad. That was great. But it, I was still a little young. I was, what, 12 or 13, 7th grade, whatever that is. I think probably the blackout game in 08. The night before, um, you know, they, I think they beat the Twins in, in the game 162 or whatever it was. Or somebody beat the Twins to, to force the White Sox into then playing the Twins in game 163. Um, my grandpa just shows up at the house and he's like, Hey, 
I was watching. Do you want to go tomorrow? Of course I want to go tomorrow. Okay, find some tickets online. Buy some tickets. So we got four tickets. Two of them were in the upper deck. And then two of them were two rows behind the Twins' dugout. Like just smack dab right there. I sat there for the entire game, 163. And to watch that Jim Tomey home run, like sail into the, the, the center field deck or whatever it is, it was I, – I can still remember pretty much every single aspect of that night in 2008. Probably my favorite White Sox memory outside of the World Series. But it's just so much fun running, running into you guys and, like, the Twitter community we have and, and having beers in Lot B and then just standing up by the, the Goose Island Goose in, in section, like, 108, 107, 109 over there. That, that's a ton of fun, too. That's, those little things matter just as much. Definitely, man. The, the community that we have here um, yeah. as, as a fan base, I think, it, it's, it's, a, it's a different feeling. I mean, I'm a huge Blackhawks fan. And there, there is nothing near the community that you get as a White Sox fan, especially on Twitter. And just being at the, at the ballpark, it's, it's an experience second to none. And you bring up Lot B, Shane. Um, real, real quick, my, my wife just brought down these. I don't even know what it is. I have no idea. But it's, it's, fantastic. It, it's fantastic, and it's got a ton of alcohol in it. It's, it's, it's filled with ice, and, and she brought one down for, for Buzz and myself. And these things are, are really good. Uh, speaking of alcohol, Shane... One of the one of the things that happened last year at one of these socks on tap tailgates, you dropped by, and we uh, we were shotgunning beers in, in lot B, and I've got this on video, and I'll probably attach it to uh, to the tweet when when this episode goes out. But I, I remember I, I was I was manning the video camera at the time, and uh, there was a line of of I think Buzz, you were in this. Uh, I was. Johnny was in it too. Um, everybody was shotgunning beers, and and before anybody else even got their beer open, you were done. When did you become what? such a? When did you become such an excellent shotgunner? And are you the uh, the Chicago White Sox fan champion of shotgunning beers in Lot B? And how do you plan to defend your well, title I, as soon as we're back? As many shotguns as possible is how I plan to defend the title. But in terms of just quick beer consumption, I think you guys have had Herb Lawrence on here before. Yeah. Herb and I go back and forth with chugging, whether it's a party at my house or something like that, or at a Sox game or something, or a bar or whatever. Herb and I pretty much go 50-50. I think he's got the edge on me right now. He's also phenomenal. I don't know how he is at shotgunning, but he's a phenomenal chugger. Um, in, in terms of where I learned it, I don't know, probably a young age. Um, not beer. I, I, I was kind of a square. I, I didn't drink until I turned 21. Um, I was afraid of my dad. Not like he's mean or anything, but like an intimidating Marine, that kind of thing. And I wasn't going to violate his rules. So I didn't start until I was 21. So maybe that's it. Maybe I just have that much less alcohol consumption in me than the majority of people so i have more room to fill i don't know yeah that that but that I, shotgunning I, thing I, I is shotgunning. it's fun it's well fun. We've, we've recently added uh you probably know him summer of george uh to the socks oh tap i know alex card. yes we, we yeah, we've added alex. alex to our to our team here at on tap sports net um and, and he he is also uh able to drink copious amounts of alcohol too mm-hmm. Uh, do you yeah. know any group outside of ONTAP Sportsnet uh, that could put down as much alcohol as we do, Shane, if you, if you look across Absolutely our roster? Absolutely not. And, and I know firsthand um, with you guys and, and Alex and I have gotten into many nights of lots and lots of alcohol. Um, and it's definitely not that hack-ass group that tried to steal your logo. But I, <laughs> I followed that a little bit. They can't drink worth a shit, I bet. I bet they're horrible. But no, I don't think there's anybody. The Barstool guys are kind of, yeah, they're whatever. They don't. They like Dave says that he drinks, but he can only drink like four beers, and he's blackout on the ground. Um, so no, I don't think so. I don't think so. It, that that whole shotgunning thing that day was was fantastic because Shane come, came rolling through, and it, I, we're, I guess we're just gonna do story time for a minute because that's always fun. Um, it was the first time I had met Shane in person, and the only. Um, time i had ever talked to shane is in my past life when i had worked for sports mockery and shane does not like sports mockery and um not like and i wrote an article one day i wrote an article one day and shane goes sports mockery sucks he just tweeted it under the article i put out and i'm like damn man i'm like you know i'm, I'm trying you know like what's is it bad and he and I, no no he told me no man i'm sorry it wasn't personal so when we were at the game we start doing the shotgun and the beers i'm like all right i'm gonna hang with him he's a shotgun a beer i'm a shotgun a beer i don't know if you remember when I did, when I poked the bottom yeah. of the can, 
I got shot in the eye <laughs> with yep. the beer, and I, I was pretty much already, you know, the chain, the Jello shots that Tony's wife makes. Um, they are tasty but dangerous, and I yep. think I put down like eleven of those. And then when I tried to do the shotgun, I was pretty much done. I, if there's one title I have within the ONTAP Sportsnet drinking community, is I can get drunk and lost quicker than anybody. And that's probably... Oh, dude, I specifically remember you were fucking smashed. Yeah, it was that, bad. That, it was that bad. day left me. You were gone. Yep, didn't know my name. I remember I came up and I hugged you. And I was like, you're Shane. And you're like, yeah, yeah I'm Shane. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. Want... <laughs> I'm like, you want a beer, bro? And you're like, yeah, sure. That was, that was just a fantastic time, man. I can't wait. Yeah, See, when we reminisce day. about it, it makes it feel a little bit better that we're not doing it because we, at least we had good times, you know, and they will yeah. come back eventually. But it's always fun to kind of... To kind of reminisce. Yep. Um, getting into another question here, man. What is the uh, best experience you ever had uh, working at 670? Because I know you rose through the ranks, man. And, you know, I'm very, you know, just knowing you for the year and a half that I've known you. And I'm proud to say that you're a friend of mine and that I'm really proud of you and happy for you that you grinded to get as far as you, you've gotten within, uh, you Thank know, you. 670. Um, what is the best experience that you've ever had there since you've been, you know, employed? Well, thank you for the kind words. It's very nice. Um, I don't, I don't know if I can pinpoint one specific thing because every day that I get to work there is kind of just like a dream. You know, I, I grew up just like anybody as a P1, a Boards and Burns P1, a station P1. I knew the station front and back when I was in high school, junior high. I could tell you exactly who all the producers were, who all the hosts were, what like front and back. And then now to like look back at that and now see myself doing exactly what I used to watch guys do and marvel at what they used to do. It's it, every day is just a different adventure. The people that, that we get to work, like I, I would never have thought when I was watching the bears in the Super Bowl against the Colts, that one day I'd be calling Olin Krutz to confirm his social security number for payroll. Like I, I would have never, ever thought that I would have never thought that I'd be recording Dave Wanstead singing horrible, horrible Christmas carols and have him actually enjoy it. I would never have thought that, you know, we'd be out in Arizona hanging with Cubs players and, and just hanging with Daniel Palka, just, just chilling out like people. Every single day I get to work for 670 to score is just a, another blessing. And it's, I'll never take it for granted. Um, I, I love the bad times. I love the good times. Um, it's just it's, it's really refreshing to work at such a cool place when I've got so many friends who just sit in a cube all day and, and listen to us. They're listening to us while they're doing Excel spreadsheets and every day is better. That's awesome, man. And, and I think Buzz and I uh, both echo the same statement. We love your work over there um, and, and just getting to, getting to tune in and, and hear people talk about sports every day is something that I think a lot of people do take for granted. Uh, Shane, with that yeah. said, if, if you were not at 670 to the score, where would you be right now? What would you be doing? Huh. Um, if I, if I, I, don't, I probably have a food truck. I probably have taken a loan out and, and gotten a food truck and taken that across the country, just wherever I want to go. Um, but I've really only ever wanted to do this one thing. Okay, even going back to high school, I've really only ever wanted to work in the media. And I've been lucky and I've, I've been blessed to, to do that. Um, but my, like my passion is absolutely cooking. So I probably have a food truck. Um, you can't just like working in sports all day when we're in the office and shit, you know, I'm working from home now, but when we're in the office, I don't want to come home and immediately turn on sports. So I turn on some music and I stop at the grocery store on the way home or whatever's on sale. I grab that and, and see what I can make for dinner that night and get a little creative. So I think I'd probably have a food truck. Yeah. That that's, I knew you were going to go along the lines of that. And that was a perfect, Perfect segue into this next question, man. Uh, I want you to tell everybody about Shane's Meats because it's something that I follow on uh, – or Shane's Meat. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love the name. It's fantastic. Okay. It's fantastic. Sorry. But, um, you know, obviously you love cooking and stuff. Like, I thought I was a decent cook, man. You know, I come from a single father home. My dad and I had a huge garden in the backyard. We would, you know, yeah. pick stuff in the garden, make different foods. I thought I was a good cook, and then I would, I would watch you. And I'm like, wow, I suck. And, like, this hands no. down – Shane, I'm telling you. I mean, I wouldn't make a steak. I mean, shout out. I love this guy to death, but shout out White Sox Dave. That steak that he put on Twitter. You remember? You know what I'm talking about, Tone? Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. Oh my god. Yeah. That was not. That was bad. That was very bad. But um, 
You know, I want you to tell everybody. Wow, just d- ripped Dave's meat, man. Well, it was. It was. It did look not good. And I don't mean to be a jag off at all, but it, it did not look appetizing. Maybe it tasted good for him. We'll have to have Dave on and ask him. He did get better, though. He did get better. Well, he, he got better because he watched Shane's meat. That's a plug. That, that's a plug right yeah. there. <laughs> but if you can, yeah. man, tell everybody, uh, you know, like how your your interest in cooking kind of blossomed into you doing these Instagram lives. Because, I mean, they're a treat, man, when you do that stuff. And especially when you, like, do even the little videos that you do where you're explaining what you're doing. You know, I've actually learned a lot from that as well with your, you know, because you make Brussels sprouts quite often. So I kind of yeah. stole your idea on how to make them, and I made them at home. So can you just kind of transition into, like, how you've uh, – how you decided to take that and run with it. Well, yeah, I appreciate it. It's definitely a lot of fun. Um, I guess to get girls would be number one and it didn't work. Um, so it's, it's, I don't know, not boredom, um, but maybe not wanting to eat out so much and, and feel weighted down by food that you don't know what's in it. I guess a lot of it when I've, I mean, I've always lived in the Northwest Burbs. I grew up in Schaumburg. But when I went to college, I moved down to the city. So I've been in the city for the last, what, eight, nine years. So you're exposed to so many new types of food and you're going to these badass restaurants. And it's like, well, this is a $200 bill for two or three of us at the end of the night. Why can't we just learn to do this? Why can't we learn to make something similar to this at home in our own constraints and, and, and with our own, our own smaller budget? And then it just... You watch a lot of YouTube videos. You, you read a lot. I follow all these chefs on Instagram and Twitter, and you just want to do everything you can to replicate it and, and make things taste as good as possible. That there's, there's something to be said about eating your own food or eating food that one of your friends or family members or loved ones cooked for you as opposed to going out to a restaurant. Like you talk about love languages and shit like that. Me and Danny Mac talk about this often. Our love language is absolutely food and having people cook for us or having us cook for people. The satisfaction that you get when you fucking nail something and it's perfect and everybody can't even speak because the food is that good and they don't want to talk and they just want to eat it, that is a feeling of of, a serotonin rush that you can only get from copious amounts of online shopping. You know, to to get that that endorphin going in your brain, that's absolutely what it is for me. Um, But yeah, also a lot of it is just, just fun and it's, it's fun to have your friends over and then bring ideas and everybody bring an ingredient or something like that. And, and you see what you can make from the food and not going off any recipes or anything, but going off of like your knowledge of flavors and stuff like that. It used to be just a hobby for me, but now like I'm getting like the Facebook live shit to the score and getting endorsed and stuff. So I'm, I'm starting to take a little bit more seriously. I'm trying to make some money off of it, but it's just, it's fun. It's an escape. It's an escape just like anybody does uh and you sit down and you do a bunch of Sudokus or the nerdy ass Bernstein and his crossword puzzles. It's just, it's an escape from the monotony and, and, and it's enjoyable. Shane, are you, are you a fan of uh, cooking shows and cooking competitions? Can we, can we expect to see you on like another, or uh, an upcoming uh, episode of like chopped or something? Like how do you, how do you think you'd fare in there? Well, I, I don't know about chopped. Those are some serious ass chefs but I do watch that pretty religiously and you try to cook along with them. And you try to figure out what you would make from the basket. Um, I think the, the one that I've, I've been in contact with a couple of people about is uh, food network star, the next food network star, because that's like people with just personalities and, but aren't classically trained chefs that they turn into like Guy Fieri won one food network star. He wasn't a classically trained chef when he won that. He was just a phenomenal personality. You put him in front of a camera and, and see where you can go from there. So I think if anything, that's a competition I would try to compete on, um, but also I'm kind of a little bitch and afraid of the, the camera. Um, so I, I don't know how soon that would happen, but I love all those shows. I love Top Chef, I love Master Chef. Gordon Ramsay's probably my favorite, so I'll watch literally anything that he's involved in. I, Shane, I'm, and this is no dig at you whatsoever, but I cannot see you taking Gordon Ramsay yelling at you and you being cool with it. I just feel like you'd roundhouse kick him in the back of the head. Am I off on that? No, no. I, I think I, you might be I understand that. I understand where you're coming from, but the English just kind of freaked me out a little bit. So I don't think I'd fight back. I really don't think I'd fight back. He's a badass dude. Yeah, and if you, yeah. you follow him on Instagram, like he's such a loving father. He's so different in real life from what he is on uh, MasterChef. So different. Or, 
or the the restaurant with the, the hotel ones where he goes in and exposes the bad hotel. So different. Shane, we're going to keep it on food here. Uh, as a White Sox fan, you know that uh, Comiskey has the best food. What are you getting when you go to the ballpark? I'm starting off with the Polish and, and extra grilled onions and a little bit of mustard. And then if I've got any – or two of them. And then if I've got any room left, uh, a lote out in right center. Um, and then if you want to do a dessert, like the, you go ahead and polish off the, the helmet ice cream sundae with about four or five people or yourself. I'm not a big sweets guy. So I wouldn't do it by myself, but maybe the churros. I'd like to have three courses, three courses, a couple Polish, a lote, and some churros. Very nice. And what what kind of beer are you washing that all down with, Shane? Depends on what my budget is that night. You know, remember, guys, I work in radio. So sometimes I've got to smash as many as I can out in lot B before we go in. Um, I do like going down into the craft cave and just switching it up. There's um. Short Fuse has a bunch of their milkshake IPAs down in the craft craft cave, and I love that milkshake IPA, uh, the strawberry one. But usually, just like a three one two or, or the, the Goose Island IPA or whatever, just or even just a Budweiser. I'm not I'm not too picky. I'm not discriminatory when it comes to alcohol consumption. So after smashing all them beers in Lot B, presumably with us. And going into the yep. ballpark, you know, if we were going in the ballpark today for the Sunday game, what would you expect out of Luis Robert this year? Because you brought him up earlier when we were talking sock stuff. What would you expect yep. out of him this year? Just, I mean, you know, that he, that team-friendly deal he got and all the promises, a five-tool player that he could be. What were you expecting out of him this year? Because that's been a pretty hot topic amongst White Sox Twitter. I think he's going to strike out a ton to start. Um, he absolutely has a problem with the slider. Absolutely has a problem with the slider. That's very evident. I think it's going to be a a gold glove center fielder, even in, in his first year. Uh, I think he's going to steal 30 to 40 bases. Uh, he's not going to walk a ton. He will strike out a ton, but I think he still will in his rookie year hit maybe 30 to 35 homers. I am very, very high on Luis Robert. I think everybody should be. Shane, that's one of the things that I've said. I, I feel like we've been robbed of uh, on opening day was uh, Luis Robert's uh, debut here. And one thing that we yeah. do on this show is we always roll the R. So, Buzz, I'm going to let you roll the R, and then we're going to see if Shane can roll that R any better. That's not fair. I've been drinking. Um, is it even noon yet? It's, nope. it's not noon yet. God, see, I must We're already have... on hard alcohol here. God damn it. Uh, Luis Robert. There, I did it, man. Can you roll the R? Because people get, you know, people, I know it's Robert, but I was under the impression it was Robert when we first, we, we first got him. Mm-hmm. So I would roll yeah. the R because I wanted, to, I wanted to sound cool. And Dave refused to roll the R. So yeah, if Dave you, refused. If, if you can roll the R, you've, you've got Socks on Tap guest champion here. White Sox Dave refused to roll the R? Yeah, he, yes, said, he, did. he, he said he could not roll any R's and he did not take Spanish. Jesus I, I didn't take Spanish either, but let me see. Luis Robert. Oh, there so, it is. Dude, so he's the shotgunning champ. He's the rolling good. of the R's champ. This, there's a lot of people that are going to be coming after the king, and I, I don't know how they're going <laughs> to fare against him. It's going to be fucked up. They this is going to be, this is gonna be fighting to the death. The Another prospect the I figured we'd bring up real quick is, you know, obviously I don't think he was going to start the season with us, but was Nick Madrigal. And uh, another hot topic, you see people, and I know you're in the trenches of Sox Twitter with us all the time, but, I mean, there is such a divided fan base between him. Um, what do you what do you expect from Nick Madrigal, and do you think he's the answer at second base? I, I don't know. I mean, he's such a composed dude. He's so mature for his age. His contact rate is absolutely ridiculous. He's going to walk a shit ton going to hit a ton of singles but the power never came along at least in the in affiliate ball and in spring training like like we were told the power would come along i don't think he's going to hit more than 10 homers and that's fine um he might not even hit 10 homers but if, if the contact rate stays where it is and the on base percentage stays where it is because he's going to walk so much then that's a completely different story but I, i'm among the i'm not a nick madrigal hater i'm not a nick madrigal lover I'm probably, if you split it down the middle, leaning more towards the love than the hate. I put myself like a scale of zero to 100. I'm 64. I'm Nick Madrigal. I'm going to swing away from the prospects here, Shane, and I'm going to talk about some of the additions that the White Sox made in the offseason. What, what, what were you going to expect out of, and what can we expect out of a guy like Edwin Encarnacion and Yasmani Grandal supplementing this offense? Uh, what were your expectations for these guys coming into the year? 
I think that Edwin Encarnacion is still going to be a 40 home run guy, especially in that park. If they ever get back there, he'll, I think he'll still hit between 37 and 45 homers. Um, it, it's just, but it's more so the protection for Eloy that they never really had. I mean, Jose Abreu is protection, but like, I'd rather have Jose Abreu in the two hole than down in the four protecting Eloy. I, I love going, let's say Robert one, Jose Abreu two, Eloy three, Encarnacion four, Grandal five or seven, maybe. Um, Grandal, ah, I'm more, I'm more happy to have Yasmani Grandal for his ability to manage the pitching staff. I think that, you know, McCann is fine and, and that's, that's whatever in the Wellington Castillo experiment. But I think that they are in a very good position having a guy like that managing a pretty darn young pitching staff. And then whatever you get from him offensively, it's just an added bonus. Because you're not worried. It, most teams don't have a, an offensive all-star at the catching position, and Yasmani Grandal is that. So I'll take even average at the plate from, for, for his standards. Like for his history of numbers, I'll take average at the plate for Grandal because he's going to be so damn good behind it. So you just went one through five, and there was one name that jumped out at me that you didn't include in there, and that was Jan Moncada. Where do you have him? Oh, of course. Probably at, at maybe five or six. Right? I think five or six for Moncada. Um, or two. And, and move a break you down there. I, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't really care so much about lineup construction. I'm not a, as Joe Madden would call it, a lineupista. I'm not a lineupista. <laughs> put, put them wherever they feel the most comfortable. You know, if you all Moncada wants to lead off and you want to put Robert down at eight or nine, then – then um, then put him there. Yeah, I can agree with that. And then moving into when you were talking about Yasmani Grandal, you know, helping out the pitchers and everything like that, um, going into our pitching staff, you know, obviously it's Giolito, it's Cease, it's Ronaldo, it's Dallas, it's, it's Gio Gonzalez. Um, yeah. Did you feel that Kopech should have been a, a part of that starting rotation, or do you think that they were going to make the right move by leaving him down? And I know that was going to be for service time, because if the season did start on time, I think I had done the research. May 23rd, I think, was the day I kept saying, yeah. was when they gained an extra year of control. I would have to go back and listen to prior episodes or go back into my research. It's the 24th. We'd be getting Kopech day here pretty yeah, soon. We, I, yeah, so I, <laughs> I think it was, yeah, it was right about now. Um, did you feel that Gio Gonzalez could hold it down. I mean, obviously he's a good veteran piece. This is like, what, his third stint here, and he's finally going to pitch a ball game for us, and <laughs> damn COVID took him out. Yeah. But what did you think about everything that happened with Kopech, and were you looking forward to having him in the starting rotation to start the season, or do you think the Sox made the right call by just kind of letting him work his way back into things? Well, I, I'd, of course, rather than be cautious, talking with some people very familiar with the situation he was 100% ready to start opening day if they wanted him to. He was completely healthy. The arm strength was there, back to full velocity. He was 100% ready. But I have no problem with being cautious if that means he misses four starts in, in, in April when your arm is maybe more susceptible in Chicago cold weather, um, especially coming off Tommy job. But medically, he was 100% ready. Um, and I'm, I, I'm not going to get all – get my panties in a twist or whatever the expression is about missing four starts. If it means that it's going to aid in the, the protection of his arm for hopefully the next 15 years to come on the South side. And, and it's and Gio Gonzalez, whatever the fuck gets Dylan Covey off of the starting rotation and out of the bullpen and out of Charlotte and out of Birmingham and out of Kannapolis and out of Winston-Salem, I'm fine with. Gio Gonzalez is a veteran and innings eater and he got rid of Dylan Covey. Hmm. We were not big Dylan Covey fans over here. No, uh, and we are we are uh, the Ross Detweiler fan club. Um, yeah, I thought, oh. I thought I thought Ross Detweiler was yeah, a transcendent talent. That's that's only because <laughs> every time we would get together, Shane, and and watch these games together uh, while drinking, um, if we got the full socks on tap crew and Ross Detweiler was on the mound. We were winning. We were winning. We were winning ball games. And it was, it was unbelievable, too, because, you know, you'd like you shoot that text the night before, hey, man, what time are you coming by? I'll be there at 6. It's like, all right, cool. You know, Detweiler's on the mound. Oh, my God, all right, I'll bring a couple extra, you know, I'll bring a couple extra beers because this is going to be a long night. And then all of a sudden we're going in the 6th, 7th yeah. inning. Sox got the lead. Detweiler's still in the game. 
and we come this out with happened, a, This with happened more than more yeah, than I, once. I think it happened like three times. It's only it's only crazy if it doesn't work, Shane. Um, yeah. And that was a surprise. Speaking of surprises, what what do you have if if the White Sox do play this season? What's one surprise that you think will happen? It just you know, look into your crystal ball here. One thing that that's going to come out of the woodwork, and we're going to be shocked by. Yoan Moncada MVP. I Yoan Moncada is the MVP this year. That'd be so awesome. Absolutely. That would yeah. be awesome. I, I think they're going to have multiple players that win legitimate awards. Whenever the next full season is, multiple players will win legitimate awards. You're you're giving me goosebumps over here. I'm not going to so lie. good, you're, doesn't it? You're you're getting me excited. And and I hate this because we don't have a game to look forward. There's no there's no date circled. I mean, obviously July 4th, I think, is circled on every baseball fan's calendar as a potential date, but that's written in yeah. pencil. That's not that's not in Sharpie yet, and I'm excited because I, I, I feel the same way. I feel like this team does have a bunch of young budding stars, and I, I really like the chemistry on this team. I think that they're, they're doing things, and it kind of reminds me, I don't know if you're a huge Blackhawks fan, Shane, but it kind of reminds me ah. of those early Hawks teams where it just had, they had some sort of swagger. You know what I mean? Yeah. They they, they yeah. seem to genuinely like being around each other. They seem to genuinely like playing for the White Sox, which is, I guess, if you go outside of Chicago, I think people would always be like, why did anybody want to play for the White Sox? We've seen that online, Shane. You've seen that on Twitter. Yeah. Um, yep. But I, I really I really think that they've started to construct some things here. Um, but I want to transition again here. Like We want to get into some fun stuff. This is Sunday Fun Day. Buzz, let's lead it into some fun stuff. Shane, I want to get your biggest meatball take that you have. Ooh. Yes, we, we for are a potential upcoming season. We do meatball takes here. Some of them are really stupid. Some of them are not out of the realm of possibility. But your biggest meatball take that you have for the White Sox if think, games get played. I think I probably just gave it to you. I, I think calling Yoan Moncada the MVP already and saying that multiple players will win legitimate awards. I think that's the biggest meatball take I have because there's really no substantiation behind it whatsoever. Mikado was, what, top seven in the MVP voting or top ten, but it's, I'm going off of feel and I'm going off of fandom. So I think that's probably my biggest meatball take. Does, is there anybody in the MLB right now that has a sweeter swing than Yohan Mankata? No. I absolutely don't think not. so. Yeah, Mankata's swing absolutely. is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful swing, yep. especially especially from the left-hand side of the plate, man. It's there's there's nothing better than that. Shane, more fun stuff. What what else besides cooking? Have you what else have you been up to during this lockdown quarantine? I know you said you're sick of it uh, and you're ready to get back to normal life. What what else have you been doing to keep yourself busy? I go on really really long walks with my dog. I guess uh, we walked all the way down. I live in Buena Park, like Irving and Sheridan, a couple blocks north of Wrigley. We walk all the way down to the Loop, oh. uh, and then like, take an Uber back or something like that, uh, or walk, but I just, it's, there's nothing to do. There's nothing to do. You can't do anything. I, I, I'm trying to find things to do, and I've resorted to, to walking. What is that? Who, who does, people still walk for just to not going to a destination? You're just walking? I don't get it, but I've done it so much now that I'm a walker now. I'm, I'm a guy who walks. That's, that's amazing. I, I cannot find like the time, not the time. That's ignorant because I do have the time to do it. But I cannot find the willpower to exercise, like walk or run. No. I um, I went for a run. I didn't tell you this yet, Tone and Shane. You're hearing this firsthand. I, I decided the other day, I was going to go for a run, and I shaved my beard off. This is how it all happened. It's growing back now, but I had shaved that's my beard. Nice. Thank that's you nice. very we'll, much. We'll talk a little bit about beards in a minute. Yeah, <laughs> I had shaved my beard off, and um, I thought I was fat. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, what What happened to me? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go for a run. I got to the end of my block. I got upset that I couldn't breathe. I pretty much crawled back home. I popped open a Miller Lite, and I went in the basement, and I played MLB The Show, and then ended up getting scorched by, I think it was George that day. So I'm not uh, I'm not a big exercise guy. So I don't know about you, nah. Tone. Uh, there, there's been minimal exercise done here. It's, it's, been, it's been a lot of attempts to do house projects that have not actually like gotten anywhere near completion it's like i'm a, I'm a big project guy but not not finishing them right so i finally painted <laughs> i finally painted the uh the wall there was one wall that 
uh, in my loft. Um, I started painting the house about five years ago, and there was one wall that just never got painted. It's finally painted. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I mean, the, the only working out, I guess, is 12-ounce curls is that I do. Yeah, I, I mean, I've tossed a fair amount of bean bags. I've thrown a fair amount of darts, and I think those are considered exercise. I planted a garden. That, I guess that's what I've been doing to keep myself busy. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, there you go. It's been, uh, it's been boring without sports. How, how are you guys, uh, not just you, how is everybody at the score doing uh, with, the, with the lack of sports, Shane? These guys are the utmost professionals. They can turn on a microphone and talk about whatever the hell you ask them to talk about. They're, it's the least of my worry, um, our hosts entertaining our audience. It's, it's been great content. It's like Last Dance helped us out a ton. Will Purdue hosting with Bernstein on Mondays after Last Dance was, was awesome. Yeah, but was these guys are, are just – they're the best in the, in the business for a reason, and, and we get the numbers that we get for a reason because – they're trusted sources of entertainment, and, and they can talk about whatever you want. So it, it hasn't been easy, but it hasn't been hard either. It hasn't been hard. They're great. They're all great. You know, Danny Mac's knowledge of movies is something that blows me away every time I oh listen to the afternoon show. That, has he seen every movie ever? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's seen every movie. He's, yeah, he'll tell you. Yeah, he's like he talks. It's not just like him breaking down the movie either, because he's he's not a big spoiler guy, and you know that from working no. with him, and I just know it from listening to him. Never met him, never had a conversation with him. Seems like a great guy, but he knows like awards this movie, like movies have won. He knows the actors in them. Like I mean, just like a snap of a finger. He like yeah, he's got like a, a miniature photographic memory almost. It's amazing, and like he took yeah. what movie? Did, the Martian is that? That's a movie, correct? I watched that because he actually yeah with Matt Damon. Yes, he sold me on that when I was listening to him in Parkins one day on the way home. He's like, "Man, this movie was really good." He goes, "I don't know if it's going to actually win the awards that it should." And he's like talking about like all these other movies like that are up for this certain award. I can't, I wish I could remember what it was off the top of my head, but we're just bullshitting, so I can't remember. But I ended up watching that movie, and it was very good. Like, I mean. It, yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. The, the guys, you can give them a topic. You don't even need to give them a topic. They're just that good that they can just yep. they can just talk anything. It's it's amazing what yep. they do. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, Shane. Uh, we're, we're getting close to wrapping it up here on, uh, on our Socks on Tap Sunday Funday show with Shane. Uh, Shane, it's been awesome having you on the mic. Uh, one last thing uh, before, the last one that I have. Um You've already said the fan in you, World Series this year, uh, the non-fan, uh, maybe a wild card team. If you had to pick, and you were and you were looking at this very objectively, what year and will they? What year will they actually make it to the World Series and bring the trophy back to Chicago? If you're looking at this objectively, twenty twenty-two. I think twenty twenty-two is the makes the most sense you need to as a team band together and experience the ups and downs like the i think the 2015 cubs going into the 2016 cubs would be the perfect example a deep enough playoff run the late drama against the the cardinals um in the regular season and 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 i think that's probably the the best example you can use is that those guys the young guys came up in that that one year in 2015 experienced playoff baseball right away, did it together, and then you're hungry because that's the only thing you know. It's your first year. The only thing you know is playoff baseball. So you want it again. You've got the taste for playoff baseball. You need it again. So I think they can probably do what the 2015 Cubs did and then come back in 2022 and, and do what the 2016 Cubs did. I, I think they're a great, a great um, a mold for what this iteration of the White Sox should be. That's awesome, man. We really enjoy, you know, enjoyed having you on today. We want you to go uh, make sure you make your tea time on time. Have a great day golfing Thanks, and smashing some beers. Um, well, I guess we'll do the lead out, man. If, uh, if you guys don't know, I'm sure you already follow him because if you're listening to us, I'm sure you follow him already. But uh, follow Shane underscore Reardon on Twitter. And also, if you use Instagram, please follow Shane's Meat on Instagram. He does a bunch of awesome cooking dishes like we talked about earlier in the show. Be sure to go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Follow us on Twitter at SocksOnTap and at ontapsportsnet. We'll be back next Sunday, Funday. Shane, thank you so much, man, for joining us today. And uh, 
Have a great Memorial Day weekend. Uh, thank you for having me, you too. Thanks, Shane. We really hope you enjoyed that episode with Shane Reardon from 670 The Score and Shane's Meat. We wanted to bring you some awesome content here going into Memorial Day weekend. Everybody's got Monday off, so spread the word, spread the wealth, man. Uh, Tony, it was a great episode. Really enjoyed interviewing Shane, talking some White Sox baseball and just talking some bullshit. You know, it was a good time. It was. It was definitely a good time, and it was awesome to actually do this together. I mean, it feels like it's been forever since we've gotten to all hang out. I know we've done some driveway beers. We've uh, done a lot of Zoom tailgates. Probably another one of those coming up. Uh, something we might keep around even after uh, yeah. we're all able to hang out because it's just good to have beers with people and enjoy uh, just talking about sports, the White Sox in general, all that good stuff. Uh, but, man, uh, it, it was good to get back on the mic actually together, present. Um, so I really enjoyed that one. And it's almost time to get a refill on whatever this is. That Jen brought us? The Jen yeah, brought us. fantastic. Yeah, it's uh, some sort of strawberry slushy with I don't know what kind of alcohol. In I don't it, know. Look for live content yeah, they are of good. me and my, uh, and my kid's new swim pool that I told you we picked her up yesterday because that's where I'm probably going to be. It's supposed to hit a high of 86 today, man. Yes. So that's where I'll probably be. But, yeah, it was a great episode, and like, I think this one's going to be special to us too, and I hope all of you guys, you know, they're opening up, you know, outdoor patios on Friday next week. Um, so we just got a little bit ahead of the curve here, got to hang out finally yep. to, together and record an episode, which is we've been itching to do. So hope you all enjoyed that episode, man. Um, be sure to spread it around and let's go White Sox. White Sox forever. Sorry, it's the outfit. All right. We'll see you guys next week.